Hi, you're listening to the Wayfinding Podcast. We are your hosts, Joe Thomas and Jonathan King. This podcast is brought to you by Life Together House. This is a podcast for those who think history matters. Here we will listen to the lives of faithful Christians who have come before us as they help us find our way today as followers of Jesus Christ. We'll walk together through the events, places, and relationships that shaped their lives, telling their story, learning from their witness, navigating our path in today's world. This is Season 1, Wayfinding with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In the dark night of Nazi Germany, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called for uncompromising obedience to Jesus Christ. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Wayfinding with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In today's episode, we want to investigate Bonhoeffer's relationship with the Bible. Joe, uh, Bonhoeffer offers so much wisdom when he speaks about the Bible. There's great stories to tell about how he came to the Bible, to use his words. But before we jump into that, how does Bonhoeffer help us wayfind with the Bible? You know, Jonathan, what really strikes me about Bonhoeffer is his understanding as the, of the Bible as something that you read against yourself. Now, this sort of runs contrary to the way that we think about reading the Bible in the 21st century, which is usually all about for ourselves, right? Uh, but Bonhoeffer understood that we had an unbelievable capacity to deceive ourselves with our own thoughts, with our own heart and feelings. And so he really strongly urged this idea of uh, reading the Bible against ourselves, that we would see that the message of the Bible so often went against our own natural way of thinking. And so I think that is an excellent wayfinding moment for us, that as we read Scripture, we see how it uh, corrects our wrong thinking or our wrong feeling about the answer that we're supposed to have or the direction that we're supposed to take. And so I find that particularly helpful for us. We must once again get to know the Scriptures, as the Reformers and our forebearers knew them. We must not shy away from the work and the time required for this task. We must become acquainted with the Scriptures first and foremost for the sake of our salvation. But besides this, there are enough weighty reasons to make this challenge absolutely urgent for us. For example, how are we ever to gain certainty and confidence in our personal deeds and church activity if we do not stand on solid biblical ground? It is not our heart that determines our course, but God's word. But who in this day has any proper awareness of the need for evidence from Scripture? How often do we hear innumerable arguments from life and from experience to justify the most crucial the decisions? Yet the evidence of Scripture is excluded, even though it would perhaps point in exactly the opposite direction. Okay, then, Joe, let's dig in here. The pastoral Bonhoeffer that we encounter during the years of resistance seems very different in terms of his views of the Bible compared with the early scholarly Bonhoeffer. How did he approach the Bible in those early years? Well, Bonhoeffer was trained in 19th, early 20th century 
German historiography and German sort of theological approach to, to trying to understand the Bible and, and interpreting it. And so with that came a real scientific approach to understanding the Bible and interpreting it. And so that's how he approached it, because that's how he was taught. And he came from a family, particularly on the male side of his family, his father and his brothers were all very scientific in orientation. And so he brought that from home into his work, into interpreting the the scriptures. Uh, And so with that, he very much thought in terms of how to advance his career. Bonhoeffer wasn't yet seeing the Bible as something that could bring life to him, you know, the the spiritual power behind the words of of God. And so uh, as he notes in, in in a passage, he was very much using the Bible for himself, for his own career, his own advancement, his own ambition, which he deeply regretted later on having done that. But that's where he was at early on, was thinking about it in that very scientific way uh, as a scholar, but also thinking about it as just like any other book that would help him advance his career and become a professor and these sorts of things. He was amazingly gifted. He, he was on his way to become a great professor in the German educational system. He was a prodigy in many ways. But as we'll see in this episode, God gets a hold of him and starts to show him the power of the Word of God, not just the the, the text of the Word of God. That's so significant for the Bonhoeffer story and for us as we look to him as a wayfinder. I threw myself into work in an extremely unchristian and not at all humble fashion. I read a crazy element of ambition. It was quite bad. I had often preached, I had seen a great deal of the church, had spoken and written about it, and yet I was not yet a Christian, but rather in an utterly wild and uncontrolled fashion my own master. I do know that at the time I turned the cause of Christ into an advantage for myself. For my crazy vanity, I pray to God that will never happen again. Nor had I ever prayed or had done so only very rarely. Despite this isolation, I was quite happy with myself. So Joe, at some point he makes a, to use his own words, discovery with regards to the Bible, which seems perhaps like an odd word for someone who is so familiar with the Bible. Particularly in his year in America in 1930 to 1931, uh, there's a a big change, a shift uh, in his perspective. But then something different came, something that has changed and transformed my life to this very day. For the first time, I came to the Bible. That, too, is an awful thing to say. I came to the Bible. What an interesting quote or what an interesting comment from someone who's a pastor already, a theologian, an ethicist. And here he is in 1930, 31, coming to the Bible for the first time. And this is really what we're talking about earlier. He experiences for the first time the power, the spiritual power of the Bible to transform lives. And, and so in America, when he's there, he, he runs into some fellow students while he's studying who particularly introduce him to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount that he starts to see the liberating power of the gospel. Uh, we can never forget Bonhoeffer had this amazing ego about him. He had a very strong ego, strong personality. And it took something like the Sermon on the Mount to really sort of blow 
his, his top off in terms of understanding who he was and who the creator was. And so while the Sermon on the Mount helped him to be liberated, uh, it also brought a personal aspect to his newfound understanding of scripture. And we find that uh, when he returns back to Germany, to the University of Berlin, and he is uh, teaching the students there, that um, he starts to talk to them about the word of God. And he says that, um, that the, the word of God brings a sense of uh, uh, every word of holy scripture uh, brings this personal message of God's love for us. And he tells the students, he asks the students, now this is, he would not have done this before going to America. He comes back and he asks them, do you love Jesus? And so we start to see this personal aspect of his life starting to transcend the scholar who's interested in ambition to now someone who's falling in love, not just with the word of God, but the God behind the word of God and Jesus Christ himself. The Bible, especially the Sermon on the Mount, freed me from all this. Since then, everything has changed. I have felt this plainly, and so have other people around me. That was a great liberation. It became clear to me that the life of a servant of Jesus Christ must belong to the church. And step by step, it became clearer to me how far it must go. Then came the crisis of 1933. This strengthened me in it. Joe, there's a letter that we have today in our hands. Uh, it's quite remarkable that really shows the evidence of this transition that you're, you're talking about. On April 8th, 1936, Dietrich wrote a letter of reply to his brother-in-law, Rudiger Schleicher. And there's such a remarkable and intimate portrait of Bonhoeffer in the Bible there. Uh, it's worth mentioning and just highlighting for our listeners Schleicher had written to Bonhoeffer expressing some questions and concerns that were fairly consistent with the liberal school of German higher criticism. And Bonhoeffer writes him back with characteristic directness, but fervency and congeniality. And he shares a very different take of the Bible that we've highlighted in the early years of Bonhoeffer when his ego was, was so big. And it's in this letter that really the clearest insight into his understanding of the powerful, changing force of the Word of God that he comes in contact with that really gets a hold of him. Like you said, that he learns to love Jesus. One cannot simply read the Bible like other books. One must really be prepared to put questions to it. The reason for this is that in the Bible, God speaks to us. Think of how we come to understand something said to us by a person we love, not by dissecting into bits, but by simply accepting it as of the kind of word it is so that for days it echoes within us, simply as the word of that particular person whom we love. The more we, like Mary, pondered in our heart, the more the person who has said it to us becomes accessible to us in the word. That is just how we should treat the word of the Bible. So Joe, let's turn a corner a bit and look at Bonhoeffer's uh, written work, Life Together, which was published in 1939. And it was his most widely read book during his living years. And certainly in this book, we get a real glimpse of Bonhoeffer's absolute adoration and recognition that the Word of God is so central in the life of the Christian and in Christian community. And in this book, he's laying out his vision, kind of a manual or field guide for pastors on leading the Christian community in life together. So undoubtedly, the Bible is prominent in this vision of intentional Christian life together. And he lays out with some specificity recommendations for Christian practices, Joe. Uh, so it seems like there's some important wayfinding notes for us in this field manual. Tell us about what he has to say. Well, 
it's in these two books, Life Together and then also Cost of Discipleship, which are both written during this time period where he is trying to understand how does discipleship, how can we disciple people to be able to stand up against the Nazi ideology that's going on and all the persecution that's slowly developing against the confessing church and Christians. And it's out of that that he starts to really emphasize this, this one word called practice. And his, his words, he would, he would tell his students and pastors and the church itself, he began to proclaim, we must practice reading the scriptures and getting to know it because a day is coming when if we are not ready, we're going to be uh, caught uh, unprepared. And if we don't know the scriptures at that point, then we are going to be in a, a spot where we are empty of the word of God. And so he took this time, he uh, wrote his friend Erwin Suits uh, in a letter, he's talking about how he was busy and at work, and he was trying to talk about how to bring about exercises, to write about spiritual disciplines. And so it's with that, that he really turned this corner towards uh, not only uh, feeling the power of the scriptures, but saying to everyone and to the church, we must begin to practice this uh, bringing in of the scriptures into our hearts. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, his brother's is sure. Well, if practice was Bonhoeffer's watchword, we get to see that in his book, Creation and Fall, where he taught his students that they must not only read the Bible and not only study and meditate on the Bible, but they must live the Bible. And, and this is the next step in the evolution of Bonhoeffer, right? From scholar to disciple to one who is calling others to, to do that very same thing. I'm reminded of uh, Eberhard uh, Bethke, his, his good buddy, who talked about this time period of calling Bonhoeffer that he, the, the theologian uh, became a Christian. Mm. And so we see this transformation in his life that is now flowing out into his, to his students and, and to the church. And uh, this calling to, to live out the scriptures completely and totally. It's 1942. The war is raging on. Pain and suffering and anxiety are widespread. Bonhoeffer's own life is an absolute frenzy. But he still takes time to pen these very personal letters to his fellow pastors, many who have been drafted into the war. And we find Bonhoeffer pointing to the Bible once again. And we just can't overstate how much he highlights meditation as paramount. So bringing this to our context a little bit, the past two years, 2020, 2022, no comparison whatsoever to the suffering under Nazism. But I would say that in our own 
reality and experience. It has been a time of anxiety and disorder. And I just wonder if there are things from Bonhoeffer we can glean as we consider the role of the Bible in our lives. Well, I think the the COVID shutdown that happened in March of 2020 uh, is is a good example of what Bonhoeffer was talking about, that if God and his word were not already rich inside of you, uh, you were going to suffer at that time. When churches shut down, when the whole culture and society started to shut down, uh, that that was a time when you sort of be, would understand and, and know if you were leaning on others or if God's word had taken hold inside of you. And so I think Bonhoeffer here really talks well about that idea. And even though it's a different context, we see a similar application going on. It's really fascinating just to pick up on that phrase, how readily did they swallow all the novelties? Uh, The quote Bonhoeffer again, it's fascinating to see him talking about uh, the richness of the word of God. Not only is it something that's personal, so if the Bible is stripped away from you or if your, your ability to be with other believers is stripped away from you, you need to have a deep, rich uh, reservoir of Scripture within you. But also a deep, rich reservoir of Scripture will give you wisdom as you're starting to hear about the novelties, uh, the ideas, the, what we like to call the ideologies that are in our own particular time. And we see them on the left and on the right in our own day. And Bonhoeffer, at the same time, uh, saw them as well. And so um, he is, he's, again, trying to help them to understand that at the center of understanding the Word of God, the practice of, of memorizing Scripture and knowing the, the Scripture, the content of the Bible, to practice this, to be ready, these watchwords are crucial when a time unexpected comes upon you that you're not ready for, where separation happens. And they're crucial when people start to come in and try to uh, allure you or persuade you or deceive you into thinking one way or the other about a particular subject. And so as we think about our own time, uh, a a great wayfinding lesson here from Bonhoeffer is uh, you are really, you're really a sitting duck if you don't know the scriptures, when times get pressing. And, and so Bonhoeffer has a universal message for us in this regard. No day of our life in office may go past without our having read the Bible on it. The controversies of the last months have once again clearly shown to our shame how unversed in Holy Scripture we still are. Indeed, how little did people so often listen when the Bible was read out, and how readily did they swallow all the novelties. This must be changed. We must make a rule to look for scriptural evidence of every decision that confronts us, and not to rest until we have found it. Our confidence in dealing with the Bible must increase year by year, and there is something else. We know that it was quite a long time before some of the brothers who were arrested were given Bibles. Weeks like that can prove whether we have been faithful in our reading of Scripture and whether in our knowledge of Scripture we have acquired a great treasury. Well, Joe, as we wrap up this conversation on Bonhoeffer and the Bible, I think we would be remiss if we don't end our time by saturating ourselves in the actual Word of God here. Yes. And as we look back over today's conversation uh, some of the, the themes that are, are spinning through my mind are 
this notion of reading the Bible against ourselves and checking our own ego and laying it at the foot of Jesus, uh, learning to fall in love with Jesus and the author of the word, not just falling in love with the Bible, uh, swallowing up the novelties and what you just highlighted from this quote, uh, the danger of falling prey to the messages, the ideologies, the philosophies, the powers of principalities of our age. I think that's a message for every generation and in particular ours today. Uh, so as we think through those ideas, this scripture came to my mind and we're going to end our time by reading Paul's words to the Corinthian church from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Well, thank you for joining us for today's conversation on Bonhoeffer and the Bible. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. And for those who are interested in exploring today's topic in more depth, you can find further resources in our show notes. Until next time, thanks for listening.